Very good morning, everyone. Yeah, so good to see so many of you here today, especially the kids, uh, as well as uh, yeah, we have some uh, P6ers who just join us as well. Well, welcome to you as well. Yeah, so this morning is OH service. So uh, we will have a, a little skit um, before the summary talk. And uh, for the skit, um, yeah, just to give you a background, it will be a court scene, okay? And uh, I will be the judge, and I will be zooming in. Uh, that, or rather, uh, I'll be on Zoom uh, with some of uh, those uh, to, to, to resolve the case as well. Okay, so yeah, so just a little background context of what we'll be uh, doing this morning. Uh, and before uh, we do that, let's commit this time to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father, we thank you that indeed you have chosen to love us and given us the opportunity to know you. Father, I commit um, myself this morning unto loving hands. I pray that may you use my feeble lips to proclaim your words faithfully. And I also pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ that may your words speak to each and every one of our hearts to enable us to bear fruits for your glory. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yep. Can I have the video, please? Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. These are the laws that you are to set before them. So what's the first case we have this morning? The case of the runaway slaves. Good morning, Your Honor. Good morning, Your Honor. Good morning. I demand justice. These two useless and lazy slaves of mine. They were underborn as my slaves. I paid them salary. I gave them food and shelter. I even had an agreement with them. But they broke it. They ran away and refused to return to work for me. They were caught last night and I demand that they return to work for me right now. Is that true? Your Honor! Oh, what happened to your eye? Your Honor, my master is an impatient man, and he beat me with a rod. When I'm slow in my work, or make a mistake. He hit me so badly, and now I can't see with my left eye. So I ran away. Look, I know what the regulation says. Anyone who beats their male or female slave with a rod must be punished if the slave dies as a direct result. But they are not to be punished if the slave recovers after a day or two, hmm. since the slave is their property. And since these two are my property, I'm afraid and you're this mistaken. One didn't die, so I'm afraid you're mistaken. An owner who hits a male or female slave in the eye and destroys it must let the slave go free to compensate for the eye. So in light of the severity of her injury, you must set her free. But, but your honor, I hereby pronounce her free. What? Now boy, how long have you been working for your master? Seven years, Your Honor. Hmm. Now listen. The law says in Exodus 21 verse 2, If you buy a Hebrew servant, 
He's to serve you for six years. But in the seventh year, he should go free without paying anything. What? I hereby pronounce you free. Remember how when we were living in Egypt and were ill-treated as slaves, we are not to treat our slaves the same way as the Egyptians or any other nations. Since the Lord has saved us and we now belong to Him, the Lord is our master. We must treat each other fairly and we are not to keep them in bondage forever. Get it? The case of the black sheep. Your Honour, I have a PSLA problem that I can't solve. Helen and Ivan had the same number of sheep. Helen had a number of black sheep and 64 white sheep. Ivan had a number of black sheep and 104 white sheep. Who has more black sheep and by how many more? Easy. Helen has more black sheep. 40 more. But what's the point of this question? It's a two-part problem. Ivan borrowed a sheep from Helen and the sheep died. How much money must Ivan repay Helen for a sheep? It's just a PSLE question. Why are you so stressed up? Because I am Ivan. I know if anyone borrows an animal from their neighbour and it is injured or dies while the owner is not present, they must make restitution, pay them back. Oh, now let me ask you a question. Where was Helen when her sheep died? Helen came over to my tent with the sheep. But that silly sheep suddenly dashed out of my tent, leapt into the stream and drowned. Ah... But if the owner is with the animal, the borrower will not have to pay. So since Helen is with you, she ought to be responsible for her own sheep. I hereby pronounce that you do not have to bear the cost of the dead sheep. Dismiss. The case of the dead donkey. Good morning, Your Honor. So what's the issue this time? This person over here caused the death of my donkey and I demand that she repays me for my donkey. I bought that ass for $5,000. But, but I have no money. Yes, and since she has no money, I demand that she returns to work for me as my slave to pay off her debt. Is it true that you caused the death of his donkey? Previously, after you set me free, I set off into the wilderness towards my home. That's where I found his donkey wandering in the wilderness. I knew that poor animal was lost and it would die without food and water. Although I hated my master, I remembered if you come across the enemy's ox or donkey wandering off, be sure to return it. So I began to lead the donkey back to my master, but I had a sudden stomach ache. So I dug a hole in the ground to poop. Then I forgot to cover the hole. So that poor donkey stepped into the hole, broke a leg, and he died of his injury shortly after. I demand justice. Pay me or serve me as my slave. Hmm. If anyone uncovers a peat or digs one and fails to cover it and an ox or donkey falls into it, the one who opened the pit must pay the owner for the loss and take the dead animal in exchange. 
Well, the donkey died as a result of your carelessness. I'm to judge fairly and not to show favoritism to a poor person in a lawsuit. According to the law, you are to repay him $5,000 for the donkey. Oh no! Yes! <laughs> However, since you do not have money, I will repay the $5,000 to him on your behalf. Thank you, your honor. you are free to go back to your family. Caught. Dismissed. Test mic. Yep, so I hope you uh, enjoy the little skit we put up for you. <laughs> yeah, sorry, uh, there was some uh, lag for the Zoom, uh, so the audio and the video doesn't match. Yeah, actually, I got poor editing skills. Uh. Yeah, that's why I'm a, I'm a pastor. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Okay, um, so just now we saw some very strange uh, laws acted out for us in, in the skit, isn't it? So what lessons can we learn from these laws as 21st century Christians? Well, uh, before we, we get there, we need to do a brief recap of what we have covered in the book of Exodus so far. Uh, back in chapter 19, sorry, I'm supposed to click my own slide. Okay, yeah, back in chapter uh, 19, verse 4 to 6, I shall read the passage for us. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So we see that uh, our God is a faithful God, and he saved his people, Israel, out of the land of Egypt from slavery. He carried them on eagles' wings and brought them to himself to be his treasured possession, his kingdom of priests and his holy nation. And he wants Israel, his people, to stand out from the other nations, to be set apart for God. That's what it means to be a holy nation, to show that they truly belong to God. And so they are to obey him fully. So God gave them his laws that will instruct them on how to live their lives as a holy nation. So a holy God gave holy laws to his people to be holy nation. And so the Israelites, they are to obey God fully to show that he's indeed their God and that they truly belong to him. So last week in chapter 20, we covered the Ten Commandments, isn't it? So God gave them the Ten Commandments or His Ten Words, the Decalogue, to help them to live as His holy people. And so, this week we are looking at verse 21 and, uh, or rather chapter 21 and 23, where uh, you will be covering the case laws or the civil laws as well as the ceremonial laws. So, some scholars have, uh, can we have the slide please? Yep, some some scholars have uh, categorized the laws this way, according to uh, uh, what you see on your screen. Uh, moral laws, which are the Ten Commandments, the civil laws, which are case laws, laws to, be, um, uh, to, to set the precedent for court cases, as well as ceremon ceremonial laws with regards to worshipping him. But 
I like to see it uh, slightly differently that actually these, all these laws are God's instructions for his people uh, to be a holy nation. And we see the Ten Commandments, uh, example of the Ten Commandments, you should not steal. Okay? And the case law is actually an expansion of what it means not to steal. Okay, so for the Israelites, uh, to them, uh, not to steal, God used the example of don't steal a, an ox or a sheep. Uh, but it's, for us, it may be a bit different. Maybe perhaps don't steal your uh, neighbor's Netflix account or don't hack into their Wi-Fi account. Or for the kids, nah, don't steal your, uh, yeah, your sibling's food as well. Right? So, so the case laws are a bit different, isn't it? Yeah. So, but the case laws uh, help to set up the punishment for the crime as well, so that the punishment fits the crime. So you don't get the death sentence for stealing someone's uh, food, right? Yeah. So God also gave instructions pertaining to matters on worshipping Him and remembering His goodness uh, in what the, the scholars call the ceremonial laws. Uh, for example, in this one, celebrate the festival of harvest with the first fruits of the crops you sow in, the, in your field. So, in a way, they are not just not to steal, but they are, they are to remember God as their provider and to worship Him uh, with regards to the ceremonial law. So, in holistically, the bottom line is the, that the Israelites are to obey God fully to show that they truly belong to Him and to stand out as His holy nation. So, for today's talk, Summary talk, uh, we just hi- I just, there are many things we can glean from the laws, but I just like to highlight three okay, for this morning. We see God's holy laws reveals to us God's character. Okay, they reveal to us God's character. So for the kids in our midst, for example, why do your parents set certain rules or laws at home? You know, like asking you to eat your vegetables, you know, uh, less screen time for you. Is it because they, are, they want to make your life miserable and they are wicked? No, right? They set rules for you because they care about your health. Vegetables are good for you, okay? Yeah, including the adults. Huh? Yeah, it shows that your parents set these laws or rules for you because it shows that they, they love you and that they care for you. So in God's holy laws, we see that God cares for the foreigners, the widows, the fatherless, the needy and the slaves. So he gave his people instructions to protect them. And we see this quite clearly in Exodus 22, verse 21 to 23. It reads, Do not mistreat or oppress a foreigner, for you were foreigners in Egypt. Do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. If you do and they cry out to me, I will certainly hear their cry. So earlier on in the skit, we saw that God gave laws to protect the rights of the, the, uh, the poor slaves. Uh, especially the female one who was uh, mistreated by the evil master. Okay, he looks a bit like me, but it's not me. Okay, yeah. Okay, and he also prevent uh, slaves from being held in bondage forever. Okay, because why? Because God is love. Okay, and because His love, we also see that He cares about justice and truth. Uh, he has laws to ensure that His people uphold justice and sh- uh, not show favoritism to the rich or even to the poor. So they are to uphold truth and to judge fairly. We also see that God cares about people's life and livelihoods, their properties. So he set laws to ensure that there's fairness. So when uh, Ivan found out that uh, he's not liable for the death of Helen's ship that drowned, he rejoices, right? Because God set good laws. So in a nutshell, 
Uh, God's laws reveals God's character, that God is love. And God expressed his love uh, through his good and holy laws. And his laws help his people to know him, to know his character. And his laws are meant to help his people to flourish, to stand up from among the, na- the other nations. Okay, next, you will notice that the laws is about, it's also about their daily living, their day-to-day living. And it covers both uh, their private life as well as their public life. Cover matters like how they are to treat their parents. No, they are not to curse their parents. How they are to treat their household slaves. Uh, as well as how they are to treat their neighbors and their, their neighbors' properties. So it means two things. One, that his laws reveal that he is intimately involved and cares in every aspect of his people's life. So back in Egypt, where uh, you know, people worship many gods, many idols. There could be one either who is in charge of uh, the river and another in charge of the harvest, yet another for fertility if you want babies. So each either is only involved in one part of their lives. You know, they only go to, uh, perhaps they only go to their either occasionally for help. So let's say they already have uh, five kids at home. Oh, so noisy, so, so many kids, right? Then perhaps they no longer need the fertility gods anymore. But we see that Yahweh, God, is different. He's not a God who's a, who's a, hands, who's a hands-off God and only cover one part or one aspect of our lives. God is intimately, ultimately and intimately involved in every aspect of our lives because He's our God and he cares about us. Two, the second thing we see that it also means likewise that in the Israelites' worship and obedience to God, there's no such thing as sacred and secular divide. That they are, in other words, they are to worship God wholeheartedly. It's a 24-7 worship of God in every aspect of their lives. And they are to obey God fully. Meaning, God, he's either God of all, or not God at all. So what does it mean for us Christians? Well, as Christians, our worship of God is not just coming here on a Sunday morning, you know, we uh, worship Him for an hour and a half or so, and then we go back. And No, but in fact, most of our worship of God doesn't take place here. It takes place outside of this sanctuary. And worship is 24-7 in every aspect of our lives which means your private life, your school life, your work life are all part of your worship of God. So for the students in our meets, uh, what you watch on your phones, you know, what you post or how you interact with others on social media, or how you study or do your school assignment is a part of your worship of God. For the adults, how you drive, okay, how you drive, and how you help out with house chores is a part of your worship of God. And what you say to your friends or think about your boss or your parents is also part of your worship of God. Because why? Because God knows our hearts as well. So our worship of God is seldom uh, in the once off doing great things for Jesus Christ kind of worship. You know, like Jim Elliot, who uh, died while serving Christ in Ecuador. Or Hudson Taylor, who sacrificed everything to go to China to serve God as a missionary. For all of us, our worship of God 
is lived out in the ordinary daily routine grind of life. Now, I know many of us want to uh, do great things. You know, there's a saying which goes, everyone wants to save the world, but no one wants to help mommy with the dishes. So, so this saying shows us that you know, many of us want to focus on the big thing, but we are not interested in the, the daily grind of life. But the fact of the matter is God didn't call us to save the world. That's Jesus' job. God called us to live faithfully each day for Him. So we see that first, God, God's laws reveals God's character. Secondly, the law shows that God is intimately involved in every aspect of our lives. So we are to obey Him fully. It's 24-7 worship. Third, we see that for the Israelites, they are required to obey God's laws fully to reflect their relationship with Him, that He's their God and they are indeed His people. They are to share God's heartbeat. So what matters to God must surely matter to His people. So God cares for the poor. They too must care for the poor. God cares about justice. They too must care about justice. And God is love. And they too must love God and one another. So by obeying and living fully for God this way, we see in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 5 to 8, it tells us, See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for these will show your wisdom and understanding to the to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord, our God, is near us whenever we pray to Him? And what other nations is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I'm setting before you today? So we see, according to Deuteronomy chapter 4, that by obeying God and keeping His laws, Israel will not only stand out from among the pagan nations, that their holy living will actually draw other nations to God Himself. It will show off that God is so wise and they will be attracted to God. So their holy living is meant to reflect the holy God. Does your life reflect that you know God? Do you care about people whom God cares about? Do others see God's love in you? So let me ask you, how, how do we treat the foreigners in our midst? You know, perhaps uh, we have helpers at home. How, how do we treat them? How, or if you are an employer, how are we treating our employee? Or if uh, you know you have your supervisor, your manager, you have people under your care, how are we treating them? How are we treating the marginalized in our midst? So this morning, as you walk in, do you notice we have a cleaner from China? Yeah. Do you know his name, or did you say hello to him, or did you? Uh, okay, you can you, even if you smile, he can't see your smile as well. Yeah, do you wave to him? By the way, his name is Lao Zhang. If you see him, you can greet him. He's from China. Okay, he has been with us for quite a while. He used to be helping us out in uh, at Adam. Yeah, then he had some health issues. He took a break, and then now he's back. 
So yeah, one way of uh, you know, caring for the marginalized is to recognize uh, the foreigners, the, the people in our midst. Uh, do not walk past them and treat them as invisible because God cares for them. And we recently, if you have been reading the papers, there's a, there's a heartwarming story. Okay, this heartwarming story is both a tragedy as, a, as well as a heartwarming story uh, of this doctor, Dr. Raymond Yuan, who died recently. He's the first doctor who, who died of uh, COVID-19 in Singapore. And uh, his death was re- reported by uh, almost all the major local newspapers. Uh, and even a Hong Kong newspaper, uh, South China Morning Post, picked up his story as well. I mean, how many of us, when we die, you know, you're, you're, we'll make the news? Not many, right? And not simply because he was the first doctor who died of COVID in, in Singapore, but because he lived a Christian life that reflects his relationship with God. In the Straits Times article, I quote, he's remembered as a kind, caring doctor who deliberately kept his charges low to help the needy in that area, in the area of Macpherson, where his clinic was located. And a fellow doctor recalls, I quote from the Straits Times, he would go out of his way to help people who needed anything extra. He used to give lots of extra time to patients who were concerned or who did not understand their illnesses or who just needed the extra attention. It is no exaggeration to say some of his patients love him for his kindness. Many years after he left the clinic, patients would still ask of him and request we relay their best wishes. And he's not just kind and you know, uh, to the needy in, uh, among, his, uh, among the, the uh, Macpherson area. Uh, the, according to the Hong Kong newspaper report, uh, I reported that he, Raymond Yuan, Dr. Raymond Yuan is a, is a devout uh, Christian as well, who held uh, regular fellowship meetings at his clinic for cancer patients, providing a supportive and positive environment for them. And in this article, he treated his uh, helper, his domestic helper, like his family. He paid for her to attend courses back in uh, 2007 that later allowed her to be certified to work at his clinic. So he helped her to upgrade while uh, she was working for, for him. And not just that, he and his family also welcomed uh, the Sri Lanka uh, worker's 10-year-old daughter to Singapore in 2005 and paid for uh, the daughter's studies from primary school until she completed her GCN level and she went on to, be, to become a registered nurse and, at Tan Tok Seng Hospital. Amazing story, isn't it? Yeah, so he's, he's one of the yeah, living testimony for us that if we indeed obey God and share his heartbeat, then we will reflect God's goodness to the nations that we are indeed his people. So the question is for us this morning is if the laws are so good, then do we have to keep the laws today? Uh, if God's laws are so good, do we have to keep the laws today? See, although the Ten Commandments is universal, and applies to all generations. The case laws, as well as the ceremonial laws, were given to Israel as part of their covenant with God. The law reveals God to his people living at a particular point in time and a particular culture for whom God has a purpose. Therefore, we, we shouldn't simply assume that you know, we should uh, wholesale ad- adopt all the laws, uh, the case laws, and apply to us today, right? 
it'd be very fun, you know, it's like, do, don't steal your, if you dig a hole, you need to fill it up. Okay, that, that's, that's weird for us, right? In our context. And the Bible in Romans chapter 8, verse 3 and 4, also shows us that although the law is God's grace to his people to help them to live a holy lives, but the law is unable to help us to overcome the sinfulness of our flesh to keep the laws perfectly. God's laws are good, but we are not. And because of our sinfulness, we will always break his laws. And we are sinners, we miss the mark, we are lawbreakers. We can't keep God's laws with our own effort. So we see in the Bible that God sent his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to help us, to show us his love, to reveal God to us. So Jesus came and saved us from our sins so that we are his people. And so like Israel, we have been saved and we now belong to God. And we see in Mark chapter 12, verse 29 to 31, uh, so when Jesus is asked what's the most important uh, commandments, Jesus summarizes it this way. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than this. So our Lord Jesus Christ summarizes all of God's laws into love God fully, obey Him fully, and to love neighbor as ourselves. And we see that if we love God, we will surely obey Him and we will love His commandments. And if we love neighbor, then we will treat each other right. So we see our Lord Jesus Christ Himself fulfills the law perfectly. How? Out of love for God, Jesus went to the cross in total obedience. And out of love for us, He died for our sins to save us. So Jesus fulfills the law by loving God and loving neighbor completely. And we see that in John 13, he said this to his disciples, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So we see that Jesus role models for us what love is by using him himself as an example. When he died for us on the cross, he died for his neighbor. He shows his love for us. So likewise, he calls to love one another as he has loved us. And not just that, through Christ, he has enabled us to love. Because love is the outworking of genuine saving faith. That when we believe that Christ is our Lord, he pours out His Spirit into our hearts to enable us to love. And hence, we bring God the greatest glory. So we see that God set us apart from the world through His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank You that You have called us out of darkness into Your marvelous light. You have also shined the light of the Gospel in our lives to show us who you are through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that you have also shown us that you can love the weak and the needy in our midst. You are God who cares for the oppressed and you are God who stands for justice and truth. 
So Father, even as you have called us into your light, may we be the light of this world to reflect your goodness to the people around us. Father, we know that we can't do this on our own. Please enable us to live such holy lives through the power of the Spirit so that how we live may draw many to come to know you, to give you the greatest glory. Now let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Amen.